everybody. Welcome into Eminem and M across the board. Eric McDowell, Sean Martin, and Ashley Miller with you for another week of sports talk on our podcast. Uh, you can find us on Apple, YouTube, Spotify, and Twitter at MMMATB1. We would appreciate if you would share our content, and we hope you join in and comment and give us some topics to talk about. We're going around the world of sports again this week. Unfortunately, some topics that you, it's life you have to talk about, but uh, a lot of off-the-field stuff this week, guys, that will bring the mood down a little bit. But we're going to go World Series. We'll go around the NFL, uh, and we will also get into the Blackhawks scandal, I'll call it. Um, Eric will hit on that in Chicago. Let's start in the NFL. A ton of off-the-field stuff this week, guys. Um, Sean, you want to kick it off here? Yeah, we'll start with a, a positive. You know what? Jordan Love, come on down. It's your it's your time. Yeah. You know, Aaron Rodgers uh, came down. He's on the COVID list. He's not playing this week. It's Jordan Love's chance. See if he can take the uh, take the ball and run with it. Literally here, um, first round pick, year and a half ago, controversial. It irritated Rodgers. Guess what? He's out of the equation. It's an audition, whether it's one game or two. The Packers are having a great year so far. They're going to be tested. Uh, Love has a good situation this week because the Chiefs' defense is horrible. Um, we'll see what he can do. He's multiple, multi-dimensional. It's his opportunity. And again, let's see what he does with it. And you're going to find out maybe a lot about the Packer future in the next week or two. Uh, curious what you guys think about that before we get into uh, some of the other stuff. Go ahead, go ahead Ash. Go ahead. You can go. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, on the field itself, um, I'm happy to think that I had Green Bay as the preseason pick to win the whole thing. And I hope they're on track. And I think it's amazing with the distractions that I thought were over with. Mm -hmm. And they weren't. And the word inoculation when he was asked that, how do you define that? So very disappointed with Aaron Rodgers this year about these distractions because they're the third team in the Super Bowl era to win seven straight after losing by 30. And like New York with baseball, with both teams, Green Bay, when you lose by 30 in an opener, it's like, oh, no, you know. Life is falling apart up there. <laughs> I have a friend from Wisconsin that says that. Yeah. So he's very happy, and I'm happy they aired, uh, ended Arizona's undefeated season since I had Kingsbury fired. But it's if Green Bay <laughs> can, can come back from this, then it's a great opportunity for the kid. And I just am very, very disappointed in Mr. Rogers. No question. Very disappointing. Yeah, it's uh, it's never easy with that guy, right? In Green Bay, we talked about mm. him all freaking off season, and now we're talking yeah. about him again. Just like he, first of all, he looks like he's totally let himself go. He's got the man bun, <laughs> a gross beard. He doesn't look like he showers ever. It's just, I mean, the guy is a pain, and now he's causing more problems for his team. And listen, it it started elsewhere. Like his receivers had it. Devonte Adams was immunized, and he or vaccinated, we'll call it, because immunized is the word that Rogers used, and he was not immunized. He thinks he was immunized naturally. He was uh, not vaccinated. That was the question that they asked. He said, yes, I'm immunized. Well, we yeah. didn't ask if you're immunized. We asked if you're vaccinated. The answer is no. Uh, so now, and, and the reason we're talking about this is not, it's not because it's political. It's because now Aaron Rodgers is going to miss 10 days because he wasn't vaccinated. The rules are different. Right for non-vaccinated players. If he was vaccinated, he would just have to test out of it. And he could have potentially played against the Chiefs and he could possibly play next week. Now now even next week is in jeopardy for them because he's going to come back, what, on a Friday or Saturday before a Sunday game? Great Good luck. Point. I know we can do it, but 
this is the problem that it creates. It's not, it's not about left and right and whatever. It's about protecting your team, but also then not hurting yourself and your team when you're now out for an extended period of time. Good for Jordan Love. I hope he gets the chance to shine that he deserves, and I hope he's as good as everyone hoped he was or, or the Green Bay hoped he was. But it is a down Chiefs team. I think if you're going to play the Chiefs and not have Aaron Rodgers, this is the year to do it. So I yeah. still think – I know the line moved a ton. I still think the Packers have a fighting chance. We'll see what Jordan Love can do with it. Yeah, I think the thing with Rodgers, this story isn't going to go away once he comes back because the NFL has protocols and by all accounts are very strict. He put in for an exemption right. and didn't get it. But yet the Packers, I think they're so afraid of him. He, you know, I, I like Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. I love watching him play football. He's become kind of a whiny little, little He's a diva. here. Yeah. Right. So they if you're not vaccinated, you're supposed to be wearing a mask on the sidelines. He hasn't uh -huh. done that. He hasn't traveled separately from the team, to my knowledge. He hasn't done any of the protocols. And that's going to be on the Packers. And I think once the league gets done investigating this, hopefully they'll release the 650,000 emails that they're going to do covering <laughs> this. Um, but yeah, I think Green Bay is going to get hit hard over this. I think the league knows a COVID outbreak is just the worst thing you can have uh, mm -hmm. in a league, in any of the leagues. And you got to you got to make sure teams are following the protocols and they're not afraid of their star player to call them out. Um, so, yeah, I think this is going to be a developing story and it's going to go on for a little while until the Packers end up getting pummeled on a, on a, on a penalty here and yeah. Rogers put him in that spot. And guys, I think the other thing is too, is like, I understand he got it again. He got it from someone else, but like, look at a guy like Devonte Adams who was vaccinated and then someone, he gets it from a coach or someone like Alan Lazard who chose not to be vaccinated. Yeah. Well, Devonte Adams made the decision whether or not he wanted to, whatever his reasons were, he chose to be vaccinated and still got it as a breakthrough case. And that's <laughs> what can happen. But you've put him in that position now yeah. as someone who's unvaccinated, you've done that to your teammates. So bad on you. It's yeah, extremely like, difficult in a locker room, too. They're, yeah. they're around each other all the time. Mm -hmm. Film room, early mornings, coaches are very vulnerable, too. I mean, one guy, it could be an assistant equipment manager. It could be an intern in their media relations department. But the problem is everybody is so close more than any other workplace, I think, in the NFL with the film and the schedule. Every minute of every day from the beginning of training camp, you are together. Mm -hmm. And you need to be honest about it. And now if we see a federal law about big companies saying that they're going to have to uh, have vaccinations, uh, do NFL teams consider themselves big companies? Think about that. The, the, the special effects guy today. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. We turned it off and we'll try it again. The Sorry. problem I have with it is sports, it's a team game, right? Yep. You can't tell me you're a good teammate. If everyone knows that you're not vaccinated mm -hmm. on the team, and that might be the case, that's one thing, right? But I'm not going to an event if I know I'm going to be near someone that's not vaccinated. It's someone's own choice to make that vaccination choice, but they owe it to other people to let them know because yes. he might have a teammate, he might have a coach that goes home and they have a parent there or somebody that's immune compromised, and now you're risking other people. And that to me is not the definition of a good teammate. That's my problem with this. Yep. And and they Green Bay deserves to get spanked on this and Rodgers too because this isn't – freedom of, of choice fine mm -hmm. but this is a social responsibility to me and he didn't do that and to me he let down a lot of people in the Packer organization uh by not not following the protocol if you don't want to get vaccinated don't but you can yep. follow the rules follow yep. the rules. And, 
And my guess is, um, listen, there are no secrets in places like that. My guess is everyone probably knew he was not vaccinated. It's hard to hide. And if you're supposed to be following certain protocols, I'm sure there are people who are. But my guess is everyone knew on his team that he was not vaccinated. But then don't lie about it. Like, own it. If you're not going to get vaccinated and you get asked about it, either say no comment or own it. Don't lie to people's faces because that's just BS. Like, you chose not to. Okay. You're good with that. If you're so good with it, then own it in front of the cameras and in front of the microphone. And if Green Bay wins, uh, hats off to them. I really yeah. believe the players will step up. Uh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes, I left another voicemail for him because he's still not watching our podcast. Oh. And we tell him every week, calm down. And he's gosh darn lucky they're not three and five right now. So yeah, they deserve I, to be. And not Patrick Mahomes. Videos of his brother and his <laughs> girlfriend, wife, whatever she is, and finding new ways to turn the ball over. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I, I, mean, I do think the Packers are going to totally come together right. as a team, mm -hmm. and this is something that they right now they look like one of the best teams in the NFL. They're there with Dallas, yeah. and they've. I think that they're going to. I think they'll surprise a lot of people. It's a great opportunity for the kid to audition as well for the future. But yeah. it's just a shame that after what happened with him with Aaron with Favre, that we're seeing this yet again. And you would expect that to not happen from a guy who went through that process with Brett Favre. That's what's the most disappointing part of all yep. this, too. We talked a lot about the Packers. It's an off-the-field issue. And then we're also talking this week about an off-the-field issue with a team that didn't play this. They had a bye, right? Yep. The Raiders. Yep. Another huge off-the-field issue that has now changed the dynamic of an entire team for a season and potentially beyond, Sean. It is. And look, this it's this is not a football story. No, nope. this is real life. OK, but yes. Henry Ruggs is a football player, so we'll address it. Um, this hit me hard being a Raider fan, being a big Henry Ruggs fan. And also, given that uh, my dad died in a drunk driving accident about six weeks before I turned nine. So this this hits home. So this news comes on Tuesday morning. Um Went to bed that night. I I'm going to read a couple excerpts from a book. Those people who don't know it, I wrote a book last year to my five-year-old boys, Dear Leah Manoa, Letters from Daddy, based on my life experiences, good and bad, and mistakes I've made, so they can hopefully learn from it. I'm just going to read two quick excerpts before I get more into rugs. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> number one, Daddy and Mama won't always be there in person with you during times where you're being challenged and you have going to have to make the right decision on your own. If you're out and you need a ride home, whether you've been stranded or the person you've been trusted to drive you home that night has been drinking or taking drugs or is driving recklessly in an effort to look cool, call mommy and daddy and we'll come and get you. I'd rather get a call from you at 3 a.m. and get out of bed and come and get you than get a call from the police telling me you've been arrested or injured in an accident or worse. Later in the book, now I got this from Herman Edwards when he was coaching uh, the NFL. Remember, nothing good happens after midnight. Get yourself home. That said, temptation is a hard thing sometimes. I've told you before, daddy has made mistakes in life and done the best to learn from those mistakes. Back in my party days, pre-marriage, 20s and 30s, we'll call it, <clears throat> I tried to be aware if I was at a party or out with friends and I was being responsible to drive myself home. I'd like to tell you that I always did the right thing, but I can't do that. Daddy would have beers and drove a car multiple times, especially in my 20s. I never got in trouble for it, and more importantly, never hurt anyone as a result of my selfish decisions, but that doesn't make it right. 
you know, I've always said I have very few regrets in life. This most certainly is one. I didn't do this all the time. I often slept on a friend's couch or took a taxi cab home or just didn't drink if I knew I was going to drive later. But it did happen from time to time before I met your mama and moved on from that lifestyle. Daddy liked to go out with his friends and drink beer. I enjoyed it. And the feeling of being around my friends is that's what our group did. All of that is okay, but the decision-making when I chose to drive a car was not only wrong, it was selfish and put innocent others at risk. Now I'll get off my soapbox. So that's what Henry Ruggs did. He, I'm, I'm still numb. I'm numb for a lot of reasons. Number one, a 23-year-old girl who went out that night and lived a few blocks away from the traffic scene didn't make it home. A selfish, stupid decision by rugs, put other people at risk. Look, you want to do something stupid and harm yourself. I can't stop you from that. It's not fair to do it to somebody else. And that's what he did. He's got a two-year-old daughter at home now. His, his girlfriend was in the car and she suffered an injury. Growing up without a parent, I know what that's like. And now this poor girl's life has changed forever. And his life has changed forever. I do have prayers for Henry Ruggs. By all accounts, he was very charitable. Gave a lot back to his hometown, helped uh, in Montgomery, Alabama, give back after he left left Alabama and went to the Raiders. And I hope that, you know, he's going to pay a significant price and his life is never going to be the same, nor should it be. OK, this is on him. Um, he made a massive mistake and hopefully he gets a chance to redeem himself and do some good. We'll see. But this is on him. He's a 22 year old that seemingly had it all. And now he has very little. Going back to football, football's trivial, but mm -hmm. the fact is this is a young man driving 156 miles an hour before the point of impact, blood alcohol level, twice the uh, twice the legal limit, whose friend died in a car accident four or five years ago. Anytime Ruggs would make a big play, he'd raise number three in the air for his buddy. And I think one of the biggest lessons here is, by all accounts, he was a pretty good guy, loved by his teammates. Good people can make horrific decisions. It could be a one-off. I, I'm, I'd be skeptical if I said this, if I heard this was the only time he ever drank a drove. It's like a guy that gets a speeding ticket. Oh, I've never driven a car at accelerated speed before. That's probably not the case, okay? It's the first time he got caught. And what a, just a just awful. I'm sick about it. I know a lot of people are. And I think what makes it just so tragic, it didn't have to happen. I'll turn it over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we all echo your sentiments. Uh, Sean, I said this to you off camera. Um, it was a terrible decision and one that no one can support. No one is going to go out there and say, yep, he made the right decision no. that night, got in a car, drove it drunk, uh, impaired, whatever it was, and killed a person. And you're right. He's going to have to live with it. In my mind, uh, whatever he gets for jail time will probably not be enough. I don't think he should ever play football again. You... You should get a second chance, but his second chance will be at living a somewhat normal life because he took that chance away from someone else. So sure no, I did. don't think Correct. that yeah. he should be allowed to play in the NFL again, because I don't think he should be able to make millions of dollars and live a life that none of us can live because he took it away from someone else. So I hope he spends a lot of time in jail. Do I hope he has a shot at redemption in life to do good and move on and help people? Absolutely. I don't think he's an evil person. I don't know him. Like you said, by all accounts, he's been charitable. He's used his money well. But when you make a decision like that and you ultimately destroy someone else's world, I, I understand he's probably in a lot of ways destroyed his own world. 
but he's destroyed someone else's world. That girl's parents, that girl's siblings, that girl's potentially future children, her grandparents, like nobody wants to see their kids die. And he's done that to someone else's family. So my thing is I I can forgive him. I hope he's forgiven by a lot of other people in this world. I'm not the forgiveness that he needs, but I don't think he should ever play football again or live or deserves to live the life that he has currently been living. No. And honestly, he's the topic though. I hope the conversation in society changes very quickly because he should not be the topic. Tina Tintor, if I'm pronouncing that right, that's the topic. Mm -hmm. And that's the name of the young lady that didn't go home that night. We, uh, Sean, thank you for sharing your story Mm -hmm. uh, to those, to our folks and actually wonderful points. Um, I had a uh, work study student at a college, 19 years old and his buddy and him went out and the buddy drove into a tree and they're both gone. And I say they're both gone, not past tense. They're still gone. Mm-hmm. And this, the service that we had was extremely difficult because you'll never know what the future holds for these two young men. Yeah. And I understand young people making mistakes, but mm-hmm. seriously, somebody's got to be by the side to say, I'll take the keys, I'll do this. And I will never forget uh, that service because we talked about this young man and how much he had already done in his young life academically, athletically. He even uh, said, I want to be an SID someday. And that was because we he enjoyed working with us. And he's gone. And the last picture that the parents and anybody will have will have of him at age 19. And it's the what if. And uh, when somebody does this and puts their life in danger, somebody else's life could be in danger as well. Uh, I also had a family member who would drink quite heavily. Uh, fortunately, that person came around after weaving one night and said, I only get one chance. He said, I'm not a cat. I don't have eight other chances. So it it is personal. And we thank you, Sean, for sharing the story. And uh, what I would hope, uh, I would walk in if I was a Raiders employee. I'd been in Alameda at their place. And I'd walk in to Mr. Davis and say, I ask you, I beg of you for us to get these players into schools, into uh, not a press conference, okay? A press conference you can control and say, we don't think this was right. No, I want to see members of his teammates go into schools and go to to shelters or people that are covering and just say, this can happen. Here's how to avoid it. We all have a void. We don't want any more voids. That's the best thing that Mark Davis and his organization could do right now is with the community is say, we're taking this terrible lesson and we're going to help people as much as we can. Yeah. I think the, you know, the look, he should have known better. Mm-hmm. Right. But everybody should know better. This yeah. isn't a football everybody. problem. Right. This is a societal problem. And it's been that way for a long time. Yep. And I can speak from past experience. You go out for happy hour, you might have a couple of drinks and, and, you guys ever been out and you heard someone say, well, I'm not that bad. Right. And then you start feeling good and then you start feeling invincible. Yeah. And and invincible is the right word. And I'm not proud of the the times I did. I'm horrified by now that I sit back and look at it. Um, Again, I got lucky. It wasn't, it wasn't all the time, but once is too many. And that's what I think the lesson that, that really people really have to drive this home. You got to learn from other people's mistakes I don't think it's going to change society. I don't think it's going to change the world. It's going to change the people that are directly impacted. Yep. 
Um, and that's it because that's just how people are. And then you said it yourself, Ashley, sometimes people feel invincible to a lot of different things. And this is one of them. And oh, I'll just take it easy and, you know, give it a couple hours. No, that's, that's not how it works. Um, it, it doesn't work that way. So it's just, it's, it's awful. And now I don't think any of us want to be talking about on this podcast. I'd rather be talking about Derrick Henry's injury and how it's, uh, that's destroyed two of my fantasy football teams. And quite frankly, this week, I don't care. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's certainly, you know, guys, there were games that were surprising. Um, the Jets over the Bengals, there, there were plenty in that. And we talk about that every week. Derrick Henry lost for the season. That will obviously affect the Titans. But this is, like we said, sometimes these platforms are made and used to talk about things that are bigger than sports. And this was an athlete who plays a sport, but has now, this has transcended the level of sports. And it's an important topic. Um, and again, Sean, thank you for sharing your story. It's not sure. an easy one to tell, but it's an important one. And we hope that maybe somewhere down the line, someone remembers this podcast when they go out for a drink or they think of Henry Ruggs and what happened to him and make a different decision. Um, so that's our hope by bringing this up. We know it's not exciting and there's not a lot of debate about it, but it's, it's an important topic and one that we felt compelled to talk about guys. Sure. And well, now Erica, we got another, April. we got another not so great topic. And this is one no. we're involving the NHL. Hopefully next week we're going to have, some some sunnier, shinier stories to talk Let's about. But, so. Eric, go, take us to Chicago and just from your unique perspective, the whole situation that's gone down there. Well, Ashley, I don't like the words cover-up. I do not like the term cover-up. I don't like it in Washington. I don't like it in Chicago. I don't like it in places where I have worked. And I do not like it in sports. I very much loathe it when it involves sexual assault. Now, as a public relations professional, it's imperative to have a crisis management plan in place. There has to be a chain of command and have to have a crisis management communication and legal consideration, while priority number one is protecting the victim. Now, fortunately, there are some places where the PR person can and has relied on superiors to follow the plan and agree with the communication, and unfortunately, there are some that are not. Assault can also be defined in other ways, like a player choking a coach. And we won't go there. It's hanging on the wall. Sexual assault is heinous. A victim should have the opportunity to come forward to his or her employer and expect to be respected and protected. And so now we hear, thanks to the courage of former Chicago Blackhawks player Kyle Beach, that he was a victim of this in 2010. We now also have to hear individuals who are associated with that franchise at that time to dance around the subject. One, I won't dignify with a name, quote, it's not like I was in the locker room, unquote. That's a disgrace. To the league's credit, the NHL fined Chicago $2 million, and Commissioner Gary Bettman brought in individuals to his office who were associated with the Blackhawks at the time. One of the winningest coaches in hockey, Joel Quenville, who was Chicago's coach at that great time, had to resign as the Panthers' coach. That was appropriate. He yep. did coach the night before, which that was wasn't a joke. Bottom was line, a, a plan has to be in place for these and other tragic occurrences. The victim must be provided appropriate opportunities for care and support. So get an outside professional and firm to provide the guidance and care from that firm's experience. That's what they do. 
But fortunately, in today's society, this area is much more discussed and addressed. But when it comes to a blind eye today, do we not learn from USA Gymnastics? Mm -hmm. The only cover-up I ever want to hear about again is the blanket I pull up over me at night. Sorry for my passion. No, it's... I was disgusted last week, came out, Kyle Beach went on Canadian TV and told his story at approximately 6 o'clock Eastern in the evening. And less than an hour later, Joel Quenville was standing behind the Panther bench. That was a disgrace. Florida's got to own that. They could, And then, to make it worse, they let him duck the media after the game. Mm -hmm. That's just cowardly. Um, but this isn't a Panther story, though. They they mishandled it on their end. They could have very easily said, look, he has a meeting tomorrow with Gary Bettman. Doesn't want to be a distraction. Play that card and pull him off the bench for a night. The whole thing, the, 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 the problem I have, and I've yet to hear anybody refute any of this report. I have a lot of problems with this, but to hear that the, the word is out there that the Blackhawk players on the ice were chirping Kyle Beach during practice, that's equally disgusting. If not more, that's your peer group. You're supposed to be brothers. Um, Jonathan Taves, who's always been considered one of the great leaders on the ice, Captain Sirius, you're a fraud. Patrick Kane, you're a fraud. All of them. And when they were called out by the media last week, they all they did was kind of defend Stan Bowman, who yeah. resigned 15 minutes after the report became public, right? Um, and tell them what a great – kind of what great people they were and they didn't they didn't deny anything though right if it didn't happen deny it and save your own self and instead they they took a very awkward path and it just it makes them just as complicit because they knew about it and didn't say a word and of all things the voice of reason last week was john tortorella mm -hmm. on tv was saying it all it took was one person one guy to step out and say we have to deal with this and if, if we don't as a group i will and nobody did it and that's disgusting and I, you know, God, we got to get to something good in the show. Yeah. Ashley, how about you? Well, you know where that $2 million should go to Kyle Beach because no question. the league failed him. Not only did the team fail him, the league failed him. Like it, it's from top to bottom, it, it's a disaster of epic proportions. Um, everyone who was a part of that team deserves to not have a job to have resigned because not only did you cover it up in the first place, but you've let it go now and just swept it under the rug and probably thought, well, now I'm in the clear 11 years later. Um, this is something that that guy had to deal with. And my biggest problem with this situation is not only did you not address it in the first place, but then they call this video coordinator in and say, you can either resign or we will launch an investigation. He resigned. They walked. No investigation. Yep. Well, now that guy is on the sex offender list in Michigan because he did it again. Exactly. And that is on the Blackhawks. That's after, on the Blackhawks. And that's after, what pisses me off. After they gave him a good job recommendation. Right. Okay. I mean, come on. That's what pisses me off is that yep. he then went and was a predator and, and did bad things to other people in this world because of your inaction. And this is where I feel bad for Kyle Beach. I feel worse for the person down the road because Kyle Beach tried to help that person who he didn't even know at the time. And Kyle Beach got ignored and then someone else got hurt by it. So F the Blackhawks, like everyone who does, everyone deserves to have had happened what had happened to them because they need to think about Kyle Beach and they need to think about the other victims who were hurt in the future by their inaction. That's my biggest problem with the entire situation. And you mentioned Michigan. 
which goes back to Michigan yeah. State yeah. and the gymnastics thing. Okay. And I, I won't go deep into it, but the Angels situation mm-hmm. where pitcher was given drugs yep. by a person in the PR office. And the PR director bailed and got a lovely, cushy job elsewhere. It's just unbelievable. But the problem doesn't go away if you can't address it. Because somebody else, as we see, and as Mm -hmm. you said, Ashley, uh, it will happen again and again. If a little child is not punished and grows up and is still not punished, you don't learn. It means I'm not doing anything wrong. But it is very disappointing that no player would step up. And it starts at the top with Wirtz and his team. Do you not feel comfortable? Do you feel, as I've seen, where you will be retaliated against by a colleague who brought something to somebody's attention? So there's probably some retaliatory fear, but there has to be somewhere to go. And every penny should go to him. And some at this point, if I think Bettman at least is is now getting his feet, I didn't think the press conference he did was exceptionally well because they'll play the we can't comment legal card. But now, if we think this is the only place this is happening, it's up to the NHL to step up and immediately get a place where you can get the experts to ensure that there is a place off campus or out of the rink where you can go and explain what is happening without fear of retaliation. Yeah, I I got nothing else. I mean, this is it's sick. I mean, I was infuriated yeah. last week. I'll go back to the, with the Panthers what they did. Yeah. You just you know what? You can't just deny deny deny. Uh right. you have to you have to we're talking 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. It should have been done a long time ago and they still tried to run from it up until a week ago up until they knew up until that report getting finally released after all these months. They knew it was coming. Yeah. And, and I get it if you don't know when you hired Joel Quinville, I get it. Like, that's fine. We're not blaming you for hiring him for something you didn't know. Yeah. But you have to take the steps when you do know, like you said, you can't let him coach. No, and they did. Eric, I mean, you're the PR guy here. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta get out ahead of it. I mean, it's you can't defuse a bomb after it's gone off, right? And there's no good way to spin this. I get that. Mm-hmm. But is there anything you could you could add that you would have done differently with this other than just complete disclosure and get it out there and own it? Well, ob- obviously we opened the can of worms and it's on the wall. And so in the in the player choking the coach situation, uh, it happened. Uh, media was not in attendance, but it did occur. I had an assistant there. Uh, once it occurred, we immediately went to the owner and I had a plan in place for things, not like that particularly, but as I talked about a crisis management plan, you can't react. You have to use your plan and it covers you and your organization legally. And so we went right to the owner and said, this is happening. We've got to get the league lawyer, our lawyer, everybody together to determine before you suspend them. Because what happened was one party won't say the league of the team suspended the player before another and that wasn't allowed so the point being is that once it's happened you have to have a plan in place and you have to have the owner and the people that you report to understand we have to address it and i had a uh, an individual who had said i don't want any presser and i had an argument with the individual and said we need to get this out it's mm-hmm. going to come out anyway this is before these devices and Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Now PR people are really stuck, pardon me, screwed, because it can get out a lot easier. So, And and good for you, Eric, 
because Ooh. there are not enough people in this world. Like, when are you going to understand that full disclosure is going to become the only way? Because if you choose to cover it up and sweep it under the rug, eventually it's going to get out and you look like an idiot and an ass because you chose to sweep it under the rug. When are we just going to understand like, yes, it's bad, but it's always going to be bad. And this is, it's, you think it's bad now, this is the least bad that it's going to get. Yes. As you let time go on, it will only appear infinitely worse. The more time that goes on, it appears worse, not better. Had the Blackhawks taken a stance and said, you know what? Here's our investigation. Here's what we found. You're fired. I hope you never get a job anywhere else. We won't recommend you anywhere else. Maybe you go to jail if there's an investigation. Okay, that's bad, but it makes the organization look good and moral. When are right. these people and these places and these teams and these franchises going to understand that it's a good look when you make the right decision? It's a bad look when you cover it up. I don't well, understand how many how many of these is it going to take until teams decide let's do let's do what Eric said and get out in front of it and just tell people this happened we know it looks bad but we're doing the right thing. But the report, Sean, the Sean I'll give you an example. Sean, I said to a person right to that person's face, I said, if this gets swept under the rug, you and me and everybody in this organization will trip over the bump in the rug. Mm -hmm. So, Ashley, what you're saying is right. correct. You have to, but you have to have the people you report to get it and you right. put and, it in their place. You're going to look bad. You're going to look bad. It's going to look bad for the fans, et cetera. And then they'll listen, Sean. Yep. You know, there, there was a report in the story that Joel Kenville didn't want the story released in 2010 because it would disrupt his team's uh, run to the cup. They of felt course. they were good enough to win, and they did. Of course. Um, it's tender, you know. But this goes on. I heard the other day there's Always. a 19-part story coming out on the, the Jerry Sandusky issue of Penn State. Oh. That's it. You know, hey, look, if we're going to get disgusting here, let's get it out of the it's, way in one thing. I mean, that was a cover-up of that. It, it was as bad as it gets. And I'll never look at Penn State again the way the way I used to. Um, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. You yeah. see something wrong, you say you see something, say something, right, is, is the operative term now. Yeah. I can't figure it out what the Blackhawks are doing. Again, I go back to those players too. They got to own this. You, you can't call yourself, you know, locker rooms, you call yourselves brothers. It's a brotherhood. Mm -hmm. You know, same, same with, with women's sports. You're a team. It's supposed to be a bond. Um, and they, they mocked him. Yeah. You know, I, I can't. Did that happen to the other guys? Was that, uh, you know, a, right. a hazing initiation? I don't you know. It doesn't sound yeah. like it, but it just blows my mind. Yeah. And guys, I hope. Uh, my hope is that as we progress as a society, listen, we've changed in a lot of ways. Um, and for, for example, like people have stopped smoking because people understand, like, I don't know a lot of people in my generation who smoke because mm -hmm. they have, they have seen the after effects and they now understand, like, I hope that as we progress as a society, 10 years from now, we're not talking about a 2021 scandal that got covered up. That is similar to this, because that would mean we're just not going anywhere. I hope that any of these scandals that have happened are in the past and we can start to think like, okay, let's move in the right direction and make the right decisions and individually be better people and understand that like, I think before maybe it was like, ooh, it, you, it's poo-pooed and no one wants to talk about it because it's a dirty topic. Well, well, now we kind of understand like it's not dirty. It's just the way of the world. Like things happen. Let's not Let's not make the victim feel dirty about it. Let's make the predator or the yeah. offender or whoever this person is 
be the offender and, and the person that people should feel dirty about and be negative about. But we, it's too often in this story, the victim is the one who feels like they want to go crawl in a hole because they have no support. I hope that that starts to change as these stories come out and as people start to think like, well, no, now I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the thing that I hope more people do the right thing and not fewer people do the right thing. Let, let me close this with this. Yeah. To those of you watching, you love sports and we appreciate it. You may be in a workplace and something happens. Mm -hmm. You may go to your HR people and you're not getting anywhere. All you've got to do is get a lawyer to protect yourself and say, I'm trying to do a good thing because what you're doing, you're putting, you're putting yourself sometimes where you'll feel, I don't want to get involved mm -hmm. and actually saying, you know, I don't want to, but do the right thing and get protection because some places you may be retaliated, et cetera. And if that's the case, you'll have a lawyer, but you're doing the right thing. And God hopes uh, that none of you will have to deal with these situations. Yeah. And it was great that we could provide some thoughts about this because it does happen, but uh, it's about to pick up a little better here now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and ultimately that, you don't want to work for those places anyway. Like, no. you know what I mean? Once you hire the lawyer, you're I, I, I'm out and I'll find a new place to work where none of this stuff happens. So let, let's turn our tide here a little bit. Let's focus on people that do good in yes. society. Poor favor. Like John Stone supplying Troy. Fall is officially here. Yeah, frost on the car this morning. Oh. And that means changes <laughs> may be coming to your home. Does your furnace need to be replaced or are you looking for an upgrade to your heating system? John Stone supplying Troy can make sure your home is heated properly for this colder weather that's on the way. A family-owned and operated business, Johnstone Supply in Troy has been helping upstate New York residents for decades. Visit their store on 6th Avenue in Troy for more information on how they can help you this fall. Whether it's the proper change for your filters or making sure your home is heated properly for the new weather, Johnstown Supply in Troy's staff can help you answer any questions you may have. From George to Tom and many more, the staff is looking forward to seeing you. Follow them on Facebook or call them today at 518-272-5922. Johnstown Supply in Troy. Now let's let's head to the scene of euphoria the other night. Uh, oh. with the Atlanta Braves and Ashley's husband. My house has been a chance. wonderful place. <laughs> not that it's not always a wonderful place. My home is a wonderful place. My husband is a wonderful man. But thank goodness. Listen, I'm a Yankee fan. I have had the luxury of remembering multiple World Series wins in my lifetime. It has been a while. I'll admit you that, but it hasn't been as long as it's been for the Atlanta Braves. Um, so this is Yankee country. We live in Yankee country. Uh, we live very close to Boston Red Sox country, Mr. McDowell. But this is Yankee country. We are surrounded by Yankees fans, some Mets fans. If they were better, yeah. there'd probably be more of them. Uh, <laughs> my house is currently Braves country, and I am A-OK -okay with it. I have been on the Braves bandwagon. Listen, you – you tend to try to adopt the teams of your significant other, right? If not it's me. not like if it, <laughs> if I was married to a Red Sox fan, which I don't think I would be because it just is not good. It wouldn't work for me. Uh, I would have a hard time doing that. But if it's a team that's not in your division, it's not in your, you're rarely going to get, and unless they're in the world series or the playoffs and face one another, or it have to be the world series. You're rarely going to get that. But I had a fantastic time cheering for, Guys, I'm going to say one of the biggest surprise World Series wins yeah. of yeah. the last, I mean, easily decade for me, for my money. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys think. It's just, we. I could talk all day about this because it is one of, Eric, you mentioned it as the Braves as your like 
best moves at the trade deadline. It's one of the greatest trade deadline moves, acquisitions by Alex Anthopoulos in the history of this game. And I haven't been alive for most of the history of this game. Yeah, You know, it's funny at the trade deadline, uh, people are calling Max Scherzer going to the Dodgers as the greatest um, move ever. It wasn't. The Braves were a team all year. They just looked like it just wasn't going to happen. They were Mm -hmm. in a division that was theirs for the taking. They didn't get going, I think, until August. Uh, and First time they went over I, 500 was in August. August I can't remember yeah. where, where I read it. It might have been USA Today. Somebody before the series was picking MVPs, and they picked Jorge Soler. And I'm like, what? Really? Of all the guys, going to be him? Smart person. I mean, he hit that ball in game six. Holy. I mean, that dude pounded it. That, was, it's one of the fr- – I mean, we've seen a lot of Giancarlo Stanton home runs, one of the furthest home runs I've ever seen. They had to show Pujols' way back, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, but I, I enjoyed it. I'm happy for the Braves. I've always liked the Braves. Going back to when I was a kid and they were on TBS and you catch all their games. I'm even happier that the Astros lost. Yes. I'm happy to add yeah. them to my October jinx teams list of the White Sox and Brewers, who I picked to beat the Braves in the first mm-hmm. round. The uh, L.A. Chargers and their seven rabid fans have disappointed me because I anointed them as being good and they're struggling. The Red Sox jumped on their bandwagon in the ALCS and they didn't win a game after that. Thanks for and that. the Astros. Pick the Astros in six. So I don't think I have anyone else to ruin their season this week, but I'll work on it. Guess who had the Braves in six, Mr. McDowell? Thank you. And uh, more credit to Mr. McDowell. We we appreciate it. Thank you from because we all have some, we all nail some now and then. That's yeah. for sure. Now and then. But a brief history lesson because how many franchises have won a title in three different cities? Okay. This little brief history lesson. You know, it's the last one since 95. The franchise began in 1876 in my favorite city, Boston. Okay. And they won it uh, in Boston with the Miracle Braves of 1914. Very similar to this team, but they were dead last. They were like 10 and a half back back then, you know, no divisions. Okay. And they had to climb over all these teams and won it. Uh, The 57 Braves, another tribute to Hank Aaron. Okay, they were playing the mighty Yankees. And Ashley, you know, I know you weren't around then. Neither were us. But they had eight first-place finishes, five titles in the 50s. So what the Braves did in Milwaukee was a really big deal. So now Atlanta, uh, we can finally say they've got multiple titles. It's great that a team uh, that has moved has finally got a beautiful home. And it's great to see the people of Atlanta did not – it, it came back because of the fact that they lost the all-star game. So I'm really happy for the people of Atlanta, but also all of the businesses and everybody that took a hit to no fault of their own. When the all-star game went to Colorado, it's almost as if Henry Aaron upstairs says, you know what? We're going to get the world series where it belongs this year in Atlanta. Congrats to the home of the Braves. Yeah, there was just something a little different about this team. And I love teams like this. The Royals felt a little bit like this when they made their run. They're a different team. They're a likable team. They're a fun team. It's a mishmash patchwork of guys who were acquired, guys who were there. They suffer. Listen, people use injuries as excuses all the time. But if you told anyone on the planet (laughs) that the Braves would be without Ronald Acuna Jr., they'd be without Mike Soroka, and they'd be without Marcelo Zuna for the entire season, essentially. There is no one, including the Braves fan in my house and any of the Braves fans that he knows, who would have said that the Braves have a shot to win the World Series. That's right. Then they lose Charlie Morton in game one to a broken figure. Exactly. 
Yeah. And have, have guys in, making their major league debuts and 60 yeah. ADLs and coming back to start. I thought I thought Snitker got away with one in game five. He should have should have pinch hit on Tucker Davidson after two innings. Uh kind of blew up on him a little bit, but I was happy for him. I they got guys, Adam Duvall's a 238 type hitter. He had some big hits here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just fun to watch. I'm a big Ozzy Albies fan. I yep. enjoy watching him play. And it was they were like a breath of fresh air watching yeah. it, watching the Astro. And I was also happy for Max Freed. He had a tough go in game two. Oh, Mike Freed, yes. He was and Max Freed was, was fantastic coming down the stretch for the Braves. And I was happy to see him get another shot at it in game six mm-hmm. and pitch as well as he did, especially when he got his ankle stepped on in the first inning by Michael yeah. Brantley. I thought he was going to have to come out of the game. That was nasty looking. Mm-hmm. And he hung in there and gave him no runs in six innings. So good for him and good for them. And imagine a starting pitcher going six innings, okay? Yep. I can assure you that in 57 in the Braves, in 1914 the Braves, they didn't have bullpens. Starting pitch, a quality start used to be nine innings, three hits, one run. We haven't seen starts like that. So it, exactly right. What Freed gave us is what baseball should be. And yep. uh, he was really a stud that got them there. And then he struggled a little bit. And the playoffs go on a long time when you see yep. how many innings these guys pitch. But And, Ashley, we've, we've talked about it. You brought it up a few weeks ago and we talked about it last month. We we love Dusty Baker, but it's very hard to uh, not you can't root against Brian, Brian Snicker. for Snicker for what <laughs> all mean, the dues that he paid from the minors, et cetera, to see the smile. When mm-hmm. they were way up ahead, he looked like he was in shock. Freddie yeah. Freeman's like, is this really happening? Is this really happening? And managers, of course, you could be up 30 to nothing in the night that it game's not over. And Snicker said that. Out. He was like, I was nervous. I w- I thought we're going to find a way to blow this. He said, every scenario runs through your mind. But the inner, and this is the thing about Snicker too. It's the interview with him was just so genuine and heartwarming. And everything he said just made you think like, oh my God, how do you not love this guy? Like everything about him is lovable. And I... That's this team is lovable. Like Ozzy Albies is lovable. Jack Peterson with the Pearls. He's not a Braves lifer. They went and got him at the trade deadline from the Cubs for a minor league catcher, I believe. Eddie Rosario was hurt when they went to get him from Cleveland. Yeah. Adam Duvall came back. They should have signed him in the first place, but he came <laughs> back to the Braves from Miami. Uh, and then Jorge Soler. Those four guys played, all of them played very significant roles for this team and made Alex Anthopoulos look like a freaking genius. Solaire won the MVP. Eddie Rosario won the NLCS MVP. Like these are not insignificant trade deadline ads. They are significant everyday starter. The reason we are winning game ads. The, the Braves pitching was fantastic. Uh, we had talked about the roller coaster of the Braves bullpen all season long. Will Smith was a liability. They turned it on when they had to turn it on. But when you lose Charlie Morton after two and change innings or three innings in game one, you're thinking, oh, my God, we're down to Max Freed and the 5'18's Ian Anderson. They have three starters to begin with. Well, now you have two. You're forced to do multiple bullpen games. The bullpen is being taxed in ways that they aren't otherwise taxed in a normal game. It's not three innings. They're being asked to get four, five, and then sometimes six innings of outs. And – Everything about it was fantastic. I don't, everything just happened to fall their way. People are going crazy here in the capital region. We're based in Albany. Ian Anderson is from a local high school. People are going crazy here for him as they should have. 
The kid threw five no-hit innings and got pulled after 76 pitches by yep. Snicker. He could have gone back out there. I, I, I don't understand. I know you're trying to win games, but this is one of your bulldogs, right? I, I get – look, he's not going to get a no-hitter because he's not going to pitch a complete yeah, he's game. Not gonna pitch through. That's not what baseball is right yep. now. The regular season game, you throw him out there until he gives up a hit. I thought that was insane to pull him. Yeah. Not after – if he had labored and was in the hundreds mm -hmm. on his pitch count, fine. Um that was just an odd decision, but it paid off. They won the game. Yeah. The one player I don't think they used the whole series. Did did Inoa pitch at all for Atlanta? No, I don't think so. Because no. I thought he should yeah. have been the game five starter in place of Morton. I don't know if yeah. he was still hurt or whatever, but he had a very good year outside of the time he punched the ball. <laughs> and, and the team and that won it in the World Series had to call a local hotel and get a kid basically in the taxi squad that's eating Cheetos watching the World Series, and two days later he's starting the game. Yeah. It's a yeah. storybook. There are now, because the series is over, 160 free agents. Mm -hmm. 159 go wherever you want. Mr. Freeman will stay in Atlanta. He's an icon. I think he so, too. He's there, and everybody has to be so happy for him, a class act. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, I I agree. I think had they not won the World Series, we'd be having different conversations because then it's about, well, where can I get the money but also have the best chance to win? Well, now you've got your ring, so why would you go anywhere else? And my guess is the Braves will pony up maybe a little more than they otherwise would have to keep him there and make things look good. People are talking, though, like, you, I wouldn't give that guy more than a four-year deal. He's too old. Uh, but there are teams who will offer him probably five, six years and a lot more millions of dollars than the Braves will. So we'll see if my guess is knowing just kind of his personality, he will say, forget the money. I'm going to stay in Atlanta. Give me five years and I'll take less money. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, folks, by the way, I have contact information for Hot Sox Jake Doyle. So we're going to try and get him on here. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Hot Sauce, Jake hot Doyle. Sauce. The current supply and demand challenges within the auto industry makes this the perfect time for you to get top dollar for your vehicle. Right now at Mohawk Honda, the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. They will put cash in your hand for your vehicle the same day you come in, even if you don't buy from them. That's a pretty sweet deal, especially for all those recent college grads or students in need of a new car ride or some extra cash. Mohawk Honda has consistently kept their lot fully stocked with hundreds of pre-owned vehicles. Their large inventory makes shopping fun as you browse through the many makes and models to choose from. You can also check out their full selection online. So stop in, say hi to Greg Johnson, the assistant general manager, Jake Hot Sauce Doyle, Luis, the VIP man Morales, or one of the many helpful sales consultants here at Mohawk Honda. Past selection of Honda certified pre-owned vehicles. So now is the time to take advantage of the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Mohawk Honda in Glenville, where they always go out of their way to, to please, please you. you. Absolutely. We are Eminem and M across the board. You can find us on Apple, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter, at MMMATB1. Mr. McDowell, put your hat back on. Yep, there we go. And uh, we're going to hit our favorite segment of this show and why it's called Across the Board. Our whiteboard segment, we're going across the board. Something that we are passionate, not that this show has lacked passion in any way. <laughs> we are passionate about, we want to talk about, and we're going to give Eric the floor first. Here we go. Jerry Remy. Now, a few weeks ago, we paid tribute to a baseball announcer that meant so much to Sean and Oakland A's fans, Ray Fossey. So today I want to pay tribute to a baseball announcer that meant so much to me, my wife, and other Red Sox fans, Jerry Remy. Thus, the historic cap. 
He came over in a trade from the Angels, and he stole 30 bases for the 78 Red Sox. Sounds like an oxymoron. Nobody else could even reach second with that lead foot team. And we won't talk any more about that team from that year. I know Ashley would love to chat about 78 yeah. Yankees, but this but is about Jerry. Now, in 1988, Jerry joined Hall of Fame announcer Ned Martin in the TV booth. He was like the Red Barber of Boston uh, broadcasters. And so began a 33-year love affair with Red Sox Nation. He was one of us. He talked like us. No, ma. He was from Fall River, Massachusetts, a very small mill town that, like him, faced challenges and overcame adversity. He was a private soul one-on-one. -on -one. I met him prior to a game when he would greet fans outside the park at his little hot dog stand, Rem Dogs. He'd look down when you complimented him. He quietly said thanks. But turn the attention right back to our lack of pitching, the upcoming trade we need to make, or your grandmother who joined Game 6 and 75. Jerry Remy was New England. He was the Red Sox. He was fun to watch and listen to, even during a 10-0 rain-delayed blowout on a cold April night, but even more so on a pennant clincher. He threw out the first pitch to the wildcard game this year and truly enjoyed the love that came down upon him. And the Sox beat the you-know-whos. He was very happy that day. <laughs> Hometown broadcasters do have an impact, folks. You rely on them, you get down with them, and you get excited with them. Jerry Remy, your battle with cancer went extra innings, and we know the final score. But to us, you always won, and you always will win. Thank you. God bless you, Rem Dog. Well done. Okay, so... We've had a lot of serious stuff in this show. We've had a lot of uh, sadness with Jerry Remy passing. I'm going to try and lighten it a little bit. Here's my whiteboard. Close it out on the upswing here. Save the bullpen. <laughs> Look, I, 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 I get it that PETA is a noble cause, sure. but really you're upset about what baseball calls the area that the relief pitchers sit in and warm up in. Because it's offensive to bulls. Okay, what's next? You're not going to be able to call a football a pigskin because it's offensive to pigs. Come on, Peter. It's not that important, okay? It's a term that's been going on for eons and eons and eons, all right? And this is I'm, – I'm an old, stodgy guy in my ways. I'm still not used to the NHL wearing black uniforms at home, even though they've been doing it for about 15 years. It's a bullpen. Leave it alone. Find another. I'm sure there's other worthwhile topics you can be tackling other than the term bullpen. Save the bullpen. Hashtag save the bullpen. Uh, yeah, listen, if it was something that they were renaming it and they were choosing to now in 2021 be like, hey, we're going to call it the bullpen, and PETA decided they had a problem with it, okay, fine. Yeah. That's not the case. It's been called the bullpen for a bajillion and million years leave it the bullpen. I'm good with like, we're not hurting anyone. This is not, it's just, it's not the equivalent of the Washington Redskins. It's not, you know what I mean? It's just, we're not offending the animals. This is, it's just is what it is. It's a, it's a word. It's yep. a bullpen word. Ashley, what do you got? All right. We're going to pretty soon. We're going to rename the world series, the Smolt series. <laughs> This, guys, this is really cool. I shared the article with you. Um, I'm going to give credit to one of my producers at the TV station, uh, Neil Shannon is his name, who passed it along to Chris, who passed it along to me. There's an article out there 
So since 1982, there have been 38 World Series played. And in every one of those World Series, at least one participant in the World Series either played with John Smoltz, passed, did eventually play with John Smoltz, or was indeed John Smoltz. So I just found this kind of, it's, it's a stupid kind of weird whatever stat, but it, at the same time, it's fascinating. Every World Series since 1982, someone on the field has been in some way affiliated as a teammate of John Smoltz or was named John Smoltz because he played in plenty of them. But it's kind of unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was Charlie Morton this year and has been Charlie Morton with the Rays uh, the past couple years. So maybe when, if and when Charlie Morton retires, maybe this streak ends because obviously as John Smoltz gets older, he hasn't played with people in quite some time. Uh, it's just fascinating stuff. And I know, again, it doesn't mean anything, but now John Smoltz is in the broadcast booth calling these games for Fox in the World Series. And he still has this, like, there's just some strange connection to this man. It's like a magnetic connection in the World Series. I'm trying to figure out who had the idea to research this. I don't know. You want to <laughs> throw the time to, to research. I say throw it. out a year. I can give you who, who was associated <laughs> with him too. That's a, that's a, it's a, it's an amazing uh, statistic, you know. And and it, he start he came to the Braves in uh, in a trade uh, prospect. He was a prospect back then for Doyle Alexander uh, with the Tigers. So John Smoltz could have been a Tiger. Mm -hmm. So if you want to throw all that in there, and yeah. Doyle Alexander was one of the least liked athletes in baseball history, but he he was a kid coming up with two other kids, Glavin, et cetera. So really cool note. And it's fun to compare rosters and, and those of us that have been around to look at that name and say, I remember that guy. That was great. Yeah. And, and beyond the, the Braves too, he was with the Red Sox in 09, which yep. that covers your David Ortiz years in 04, 07, 2013. Um, he was with the Cardinals for a bit. So then you've got Albert Pujols. So like, Beyond just the Braves, he he did do time with some other teams, and that's what kind of takes care of a little bit of the later years. Um, he played with some younger players who were still playing and played a little bit uh, closer to now. So it's just it's interesting stuff. We like stats here. We like weird, quirky little things, and that's my weird, quirky little thing <laughs> for this one. We're going to call it the Smolt Series, and what better year to call it the Smolt Series than the, the year that the Braves win it all, it which all I'm sure I know they're supposed to be impartial – I would love to see the final call, Buck's final call. I would love to see in the broadcast booth, you know, when they give, I would love to see the smile on his face. Like, you know, the man bleeds Atlanta Braves baseball. You know he had a big old smile on his face. It all ties neatly in a bow with the Braves winning and him on the call. Absolutely. That's right. Well, we thank you for joining us. Next week, we promise to bring you some more lightning <laughs> you know, fun, fluff, so. sports, whatever. But this week was important. We were happy to do it. Uh, guys, thank you for your insight and sharing a little bit of the emotional side of, of what we deal with in sports on a, on a daily, weekly basis. But it was fun I th and I think important that we did it. Sure thing. Let's get back to it next week. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks, folks. See you guys next week. All righty. Bye, y'all.